Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Grit and Barrett Podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, everyone. It is a Monday, Monday, May 22nd, 2023. We're still doing this. We're still talking Hershey Bears hockey. It's getting late in the May. We're finally doing this. Yes. I'm not used to doing this podcast this late. Typically, I'd be throwing out a bunch of game overs by now and just enjoying the playoff train, enjoying the roller coaster ride of the playoffs as we're getting a few last rides in. But but no, we're still going. We are still going. And wow. Wow. I actually gotta like take a step back because the Bears the the Bears have done a lot since the last time we talked, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we had a game on Wednesday. Yes, things have happened. And again, just because of my schedule, I wasn't able to do this and get an episode out to everyone. But as you saw, as you saw by the preview, um, I'm bringing in someone in. I'm going to the bullpen once again. Corey Schwartz from Field Pass Hockey has joined me once again to be talking some Hershey Bears hockey. Corey, how you doing, brother? Good, Richard. Thanks for having me. And like you said, it's late May. and We're still talking about Hershey Bears hockey. So life is good in these circumstances delightful delightful so once we take a look at at where we're going it's time to take a look at where we've been we got to go way back to wednesday night may 7 may 17th as your hershey bears took on the hartford wolf pack way out there in connecticut at the xl center and i gotta admit there was a good healthy crowd out there in Hartford once I fired up the old American Hockey League television. And I know, I know, 
Bears fans. There was a watch party at the Bears den. There were people showing up. The ale was flowing. Hockey was getting and but um let me let you in on a little secret there uh boys and girls let me just uh let you let let you in on a little secret you might think you're going and you're gonna go there but um about 200 other bears fans locally have the same idea you do and that is a place that cannot hold the amount of people that would like to go so you're much better off and this is just me saying this just buy AHL TV and just watch at home. You can stuff your face at home. You can drink beer at home. You can yell at the TV. You can yell at the refs. You can do all that. You can hold your stuffed bear animal. You can do all the great stuff at the Bears Den at home. That's what I did. And it was much easier. And I don't have to worry about park parking there either. Now, um, Corey, you're joining me for this recap of Hershey and Hartford. And just to kind of let everybody know, this is the first time I've actually had a co-host doing this here. I am so used to doing this solo to where I can give my usual energy and pomp and circumstance. I'm not used to having a co-host here on this. So just the best I can say, Corey, is kind of buckle up and hold on. It sounds good. Hey, I'm game for it if you are. It was we're talking about the Bears and I'm totally on board with any any exuberant energy I know you're going to have. Oh, yes. There, there's plenty of this. So, as I said, you know, we're talking there at the XL Center there in Hartford, Connecticut. Of course, Hartford got out on all of the social me media. Make sure you wear red. Wear red to the XL Center. It's going to be a red out, red wave, red something. I mean, I, I got to give Hartford credit. I did not expect them to wear to tell fans to wear all red, but it's not like you can tell them to wear all blue. It's not like they can do a whiteout because you don't have a lot of people to do that to make it sound to make it look like a spectacle. So it was Hartford, red out, fine, whatever. I thought this would lead Hartford. Oh, they're going to wear their red jerseys. The the tradition of let's wear our thirds during the playoffs or wear our throwbacks during the playoffs didn't, didn't really happen. So, um, Corey, did you watch game three at all? Were you able to watch from your, uh, your compound? You know, I actually had the joy. I've never actually gotten to do this before Wednesday's game, but we actually watched it live over on, uh, the field pass hockey podcast. I'm on uh, the Holy grail. So, we got to, I got to react to it live for the first time ever um, being on that podcast. So it was a lot of fun. I actually didn't know there was supposed to be a red out beforehand. So that's kind of an interesting bit of, bit of trivia there. I didn't, I didn't realize that was supposed to be a thing. I didn't, I didn't know either. And um, you know, you know, teams do this in the postseason. the, the beautiful Winnipeg whiteout, which is a very underrated tradition in hockey. Vegas has tried gold, Pittsburgh's done gold. I'm sure Philadelphia would do orange or a blackout. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think they should. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it, they do this in the playoffs to get people in the doors and stuff and stuff all that. So it's just really weird that Hartford does this. A team that's had noted attendance problems. A team that only has a lower bowl opened up in the mausoleum 
to Hartford Hockey, known as the XL Center. It just felt very weird. But boys were on underway there on a Wednesday night there in Hartford. Same lineup, nothing, ch- nothing changes. It is your goaltenders that night. Hunter Shepard, grab your palisman and get out there. Taking on Dylan Garant. Wait a minute. That's not Dylan Garant. Wait a minute. Why is a goalie skating out with a uh, rice bowl in his hand? Why, it's old spicy pork and broccoli himself. Louie Dalming is in net. Louie, how are you doing? What are you doing here? So Hartford is getting a little bit of desperation in them where they started Louis Dalming instead of Dylan Garant. Awkward. A really odd decision, Corey, to go with this. I mean, I understand you're trying to change momentum, but um, Garant was still good in those games. It's not like he was the reason they lost. Yeah, you wonder if it was just uh, maybe a last-ditch attempt to shift up the momentum or something like that. Not that... I, I agree with it necessarily. Like you said, Dylan Grand was pretty good in those, you know, those two games in Hershey. Neither of the losses were on his shoulders, I don't think. So it, it surprised me a little bit to see him get in. But then again, you have a veteran goaltender in the AHL with, you know, it was kind of your your ace all season long type of thing. The argument's there for it, certainly. It, it's a bold move. And, you know, it kind of shows that Hartford was willing to throw everything in the kitchen sink to try to get this series knotted up or, you know, try to get those two wins here in Hartford to try to send it back to Hershey for a fifth game. And, um, you know, you kind of can't really blame Deming for how things went in the game. Of course, we're going to get to that. But, you know, I, I think it was just a tough assignment for any goalie just because this Hershey Hershey team really found its stride, at least with, uh, you know, picking their shots perfectly past the goaltenders. Oh, yeah. And give Hartford credit. They came out flying in the first period and they just looked at Hunter and said, we're coming after you all freaking game. And this kind of reminded me of an old saying when we played Wilkes-Barre when they were half decent, survive the first 10 minutes. That's all you got to do. Do not surrender a goal in the first 10 minutes, weather the storm and you'll be fine. And Hartford just came out throwing everything at, at at Hunter Shepard. Hartford dominated puck possession, did everything right, just was clean throwing the body around, getting shots on him. Dylan uh, Ryan Carpenter get Carpenter get getting shots. Will Child trying desperately to get the New York Rangers to uh to notice in. Even Anton Blee, the guy who passed out in game one, he's there getting shots. So Everything's being thrown at Hunter and give the Bears credit. They stood firm. They stand tall, shot blocking, Hunter with time timely saves. I'm nervously watching from the edge of edge of our love seat. Like, guys, just get through this. And they did. And they really did. But later on in in the first, Anton Bleed shoves a puck down down low. So I gotta make sure I get. That's right, everyone. Sorry about that. Logan Day goes down low to battle. Carpenter falls down on his butt. What are you doing? Get up, son. And Ryan Carpenter feeds Tanner Elson in front. He scores. And Hartford gets on the board early. Tanner Tanner Elson, his second. Ryan Carpenter, third assist. Anton Blee, fifth assist of the season. And it's 1-0 Hartford. And 
you know, the Bears weathered the storm, but Hartford gets the first one on the board. Yeah, and it was a little bit rough of a of a period. I mean, Todd Nelson talked about getting through the first five minutes, I think was uh, his exact comment in post game for game two. He knew it was going to throw, but it really extended out to almost the entirety of the first period. And like you said, you know, with Logan Day kind of losing an edge and going down, it was just that one perfect opportunity that Hartford's looking for that they're going to put in the back of the net. So, you know, give the Bears a lot of credit. I mean, the, the shot figures, you know, kind of had me a little nervous after the first period, but I thought as you did, you know, you just got to limit it, survive, and, you know, look for your opportunity to counterpunch later in the game. And, you know, if there's anything to know about the Bears, it's the shot count rarely makes or breaks a game for them. I mean, we, we like it when it's, you know, a game where the shots are 30 to 10 and you win three to one. That makes sense for hockey fans, right? Because it's proportionate. It's in your favor. But hockey's a, you know, a bit of a weird game in the sense that, you know, that kind of indicator of success doesn't always mean that you're going to have success. So, you know, the Bears weathered it. I believe the shots were a disadvantage of 13 to four after the first period. Just a little bit of a rough rough you know statistical period but far from the end of the world honestly so get like you said get through it get battling get set for the next one indeed and you get out of the first and i'm I, I, i'm telling the wife just just get out one nothing and you'll be fine and the and the bears do get out of it one nothing one nothing hartford after the first starts 13 to 4 in favor of hartford but he's okay We'll be fine. It'll be fine. Nelson will go in there. He'll make adjustments. You know, Patrick Weller, he'll give the, he'll pat the DMN on the back, give him some nice candy, give him an energy bar and say, good job. Now get out there and do it again. As the only, only way Patrick Weller can. And we head into the second and it's just still a very tight knit battle, but the bears just get into penalty trouble. Lucas goes off for, for, for holding uh Vinny uh Vinny gets in gets into trouble as well and just like you can't give this Hartford team chances on the power play because we've seen what they can do in in Hershey and but it seems like a break's coming you can rely on these boys who rely on these boys and I'm just waiting and waiting for something to happen and the Bears are actually going to Looks like they're going to get a penalty late in the period. In the period, penalty coming up on on Hartford. Vecchioni feeds up Iorio, comes in high shot, shoots, he scores. Vinny Iorio scores. Yes, high slot beats Louis Dalming on the. I think it was glove side, and why is he out that far to challenge? Vinny Iorio, a defenseman, rips one past past Louis Dalming. That's why we didn't like you in Pittsburgh, and we are tied at one. Yes, boys, you finally get that one, and things are tied in Hartford. Great job by Vinny, who's really been coming along as a defenseman this season. If it wasn't for Ethan Frank, I think maybe you look at Vinny as possible rookie of the year for the team. But um, just really good job out of Iorio, and the boys keep pressing, and they're rewarded with a tie game heading into the third. And like you said, penalty trouble definitely kind of spelled the story a little bit there. It was a neat little reversal of fortune right before that goal happened because it was just in the same manner as it kind of happened in game one. The Bears almost looked like they were going to get a another penalty there with Beck Malenstein sitting in the box 
for an apparent interference. The referees get together and actually called off the penalty, which, you know, it's rare that lightning strikes twice in the same series, but you know, this time it was in reverse. And I believe, you know, moments later, the shift or two later, you know, was when that penalty that, you know, the bears drew preceding the Iorio goal. And how many times have we gotten to say it first career playoff goal for one of these guys, you know, it felt like we just had a smorgasbord of them in the first round, you know, and now it's kind of continuing here um, as we go along in the second round. So it's great to see some of these guys like Iorio, who's not a noted, you know, frequent goal scorer here, get rewarded with, you know, his first playoff goal. Absolutely incredible. And we head into the, it's on to the third period. It's tied. It's a school night for me. And the way these playoffs have been, have been going, the hockey gods have been giving us overtime upon overtime upon overtime. Heck at the time of this recording, all four conference finals games in, in the NHL have gone to overtime. I actually saw somebody on Twitter say, there's too much playoff hockey, make it stop. And there was 30 replies below him going, nonsense, there is no such thing as too much playoff hockey, playoff overtime hockey. You shut your mouth with that kind, that kind of slander. But then again, the hockey gods demand sacrifice from us all in these time, time, time of year. And we get into the third, and you could tell the Bears were starting to get their legs going. The chip and chase game was working. The forechecking was working. Hartford's looking over their shoulders. As cousin John Walton has said, maybe the demons are starting to creep in a little bit. The checks are getting hard, are getting hit a little bit harder. And the Bears dump the puck in. Vecchioni is able to steal it below the goal line. Finds Lucas Johansson. He shoots. He scores! He scores! Lucas scores! Yes! Yes! Lucas, who hasn't scored since October 28th, gets the goal. Since October, a defenseman yet again gets the goal. And the Bears are in the lead. Are in the lead with 15.30 to go. Awesome job by Vecchione finding Lucas streaking in and blasts it past Louis Deming. And the Bears are in the lead. And it's all quiet there in Hartford. You'll love to see it. Lucas gets his first first goal. Vecchione, his second assist. A defensive scoring. You'll love to see it. Reminds you of a certain other playoff team for the Bears. And it was great to see, you know, Lucas. It's, it's kind of been a, a, a party trick he's had up his sleeve for quite some time, you know, where he creeps in from the point. You know, usually it's a little bit lower of a pass they've worked with in the past. But, um you know, sneaks in and, you know, just an absolute pinpoint pass from Mike Vecchione to find him on that far side, though. And a better shot, too, honestly. You know, there was no space over the catching glove. And, you know, somehow Lucas Johansson finds that spot. And, you know, the Bears didn't have a ton of shots in this game either. So, you know, you no. kind of figured it was going to have to be a perfect one. You know, it's nothing against Deming. He faced, you know, some some very quality chances there. And so, like you said, you know, it felt like the Bears were – you know, kind of had this game in a little bit of a sleeper hold type of thing where they're, you know, slowly trying to put it to bed. And that was a huge dagger um, of a goal to, you know, put the Bears up. But, you know, um, you got to give credit to that top line, too, with, you mm. know, Hendrik Borgstrom sliding in pretty much seamlessly for Mike Scarbosa. He's had points in all three games, I believe, uh, since being inserted into the lineup there. And, you know, obviously Mike Vecchione, we know what he can do, you know, set up and finish type of thing. So it's really great to see that kind of, you know, one, two, three, four punch that the bears have had, 
you know, you think about all the guys that have come in and, you know, everybody's contributed equally and it's been fantastic to see. Yep. It's just absolutely incredible. 1530 to go. Tick tock. Let's bleed this down. Let's get it. At, let's get this out. And we actually get a rare treat after, after this, as Sam Ennis gets awarded a penalty shot, a chance for the bears to put a two goal dagger in on this. And that's the guy you want out there. That's the guy you want out there, there to do this. As Sam Ennis gets the puck, skates in, Deeks, look, shoots, and Louie holds his ground. Dang it. Dang it. Okay. Okay, it's 2-1. The Bears have shown they can close out games. They've shown they can close out games here in the postseason. Postseason. And a couple and a couple minutes later, they're moving the puck in the zone, in the zone well, coming up on a rush. Snively gives it over to Michael. Shot, pad save, pad save. In comes Garrett Pilon. Shoots on the rebound. He scores! Garrett Pilon slides it past Louis Deming. A sprawling, sliding save. Doesn't get it home. And it's 3-1 Hershey. Garrett Pilon gets a second. Connor McMichael, his first assist. And Joe Snively, his sixth assist. Who knew? And the Bears are up 3-1, and they are silent in Hartford with 12-25 to go. Tick-tock, Hartford. Tick-tock. The sands are running out. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, a great goal to get to have a little bit of insurance. I mean, we we saw how important that was in game two towards the Bears winning. You know, in that game, in that case, it was three goals. But, you know, it made it easier to defend knowing you had that little bit of padding. You don't want to test it, of course. You don't want to, you know, have to see how many layers you need to have to, you know, make this thing stand up. But it was a great play. I mean, you know, the shot save rebound play is a cliche one it's one that you don't see usually the guys like to have you know that kind of the more perfect setups like the lucas johansson goal but a goal is a goal man a red light is a red light at this point so important to get and you know you have half a period to make it stand up it's a lot of time but we've seen the bears just kind of you know put these games to sleep and they did a great job defending the rest of the way they absolutely did they 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 played three guys back. They were all over every loose puck, not letting Hartford get set up. And you just you you this might be a little violent, but oh well. I watched this team bleed out for the next twelve minutes and thirty seconds. And this team, like like you said, it was a chokehold. And they are just they're fading, fading. Five minutes to go. They pull Louie, and I was a bit nervous. But we've seen the boys hold it off before. They had a freaking two, two minute and thirty second shift back on game two, and were able to stand their ground. And while it wasn't as long as that, they kept them to the boards. Didn't let Ryan Carpenter do anything. Didn't let Jeremy Brodzinski do anything. And tick tock, count it down: five, four, three, two, one. Win. Bears win it. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Hartford. Bears win it. Three to one the final, and Hartford is toast. A sweep of the Hartford Wolfpack. The Bears are now technically Atlantic Division champions, and we set our our sights to whoever takes the, the North 
And what a beauty of the game by the Bears to go out there, close out the series in Hartford, earn yourself some extra rest, and do what you were supposed to do. The three stars of the game were Tanner Elson for the for the Wolfpack with their lone goal, Mike Vecchione, second star, with two assists, and Hunter Shepard, 33 for 34 in the game. Mm-mm-mm. Louis Domingo's 13 for 16, and Hartford's um, sort of miraculous run comes to an end with a straight-up sweep by the, by the better team. Bears move on, 3-1 to one the final, and take the series. Yeah, like you said, it, it was really just, I think the Bears just brought a total team effort that I think that Hartford just ran out of gas against. You know, they were able to get away with some things maybe against uh, Springfield that just didn't look like they came ready to play. You give them a lot of credit, though. They really turned up the heat and made a Providence team that was dominant all year, right? We kind of expected that to be the division final matchup we'd have to, you know, sweat through would be Hershey Providence. But, you know, they really used their strengths against Hartford. But I think the Bears were just a gear better defensively. I think that they really, you know, just wouldn't take no for an answer against the Wolfpack, right? I think it was just, you know, they whether it was the comeback in game one, mounting up some early goals in game two, and then not looking phased at all in game three. These are three, the DNA of three different wins, I think. And I really think that the Bears just, you know, they they played Hershey Bears hockey and, you know, continued to limit those teams. I mean, we've not seen the Bears allow more than two goals in a single game to this point in the playoffs. You know, just an absolute total team effort, I think, that, you know, they've been playing their best. They've been playing smart. You know, whether it was a big Riley Sutter block at the end of regulation, for example, Beck Malmstein took a puck in the face over the course of that game. You could still see the, the bruising under his eye for Thankful it wasn't any higher, or else we might not have him right now. Um, you know, just everybody's buying in. It was a great effort, a great series, you know, happy for Hartford. They really made a, a very improbable, unlikely run, but you know, ultimately this bears team showed why they've been such a top dog in the league all year. So, you know, you love to see it. If you're Hershey, uh, we just have to hope that they can keep this rolling here through the next couple of rounds. Definitely. And we started watching another, game that happened that that night it was game three game three pretty sure checks notes here it was game three rochester versus toronto with joseph wall in net and um not like it made much of a difference not like it made much of a difference eight four rochester um toronto had a hat trick by patrick holmberg not like it did him any good Rochester wins it with five different goal scorers. The Blue Cross Arena going wild. And my dream, after 12 years of being a Bears fan, has actually happened. It's going to come true. And our conference finals are set. The Hershey Bears versus the Rochester Americans. The oldest rivalry in all the land will get a playoff chapter added to it. Chocolate and white versus blue, white, and red. Let's fucking go. I'm here for this. And this is going to be a freaking awesome series to talk about. And myself and Corey are going to do so right after this. 
Bears fans, well, it's time to pay the bills and it's time to light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets bets instantly. Folks, there is a Game 7, not only tonight here on Sunday, but on Monday, Devils, Rangers, from there at the Rock in Game 7, and you play up action for round two coming up later in the in the week some juicy matchups vegas versus versus edmonton is already out there and more will be released out into the ether as we go make sure you get in on it at DraftKings sportsbook make sure you download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and sign up with code thpn new customers can make a five dollar bet make a five dollar hockey playoff bet and secure Score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050. Or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21-plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details and see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details on state-specific gambling resources. Bears fans, well, also, let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, I mean, you know who you are. Your cup of joe that used to cost 99 cents at 7-Eleven now costs $2. If you want your skinny boy calf DK... Skinny Boy D- Decaf Latte No Foam. That is $5 even without custom- customizations. I mean, heck, buying a simple energy drink is $2.50 minimum depending on what convenience store you're at. Every, every single thing is going going up these days. Our bank accounts are getting getting hit the heart, get the hardest. But most, most products do the same thing but are just priced differently regardless of whatever name is slapped on the label. So a good duplicate or a dupe is critical for getting the highest quality at the best at the best price. And this is definitely one item you won't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon provides premium audio at a perfect price point so you get what you want when you want without break- breaking the bank. Folks, Raycons start at $80, which may sound like a lot these days, but $80, you can pay a streaming service for, for $80, and eventually you'll get tire, tired of that. Folks, I can tell you this, tell you this, Raycons are absolutely worth the price, whatever you might be, whether you use them for gym workout, exercising, or those lo-fi beats you want to listen to while you're work or studying. Would YouTube lie to you? I highly doubt it. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and pay less than you would for those big name techs that try to fit fit in your ear, in your ear, but whenever you run you feel them rattling around and just so you know they're going to fall out at a moment's notice. Raycon knows the, the this economy. Every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer a buy now, pay less option option so you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. Free and easy return guarantee. They offer 2 years of protection for just a few dollars more over 
50,000 five-star five-star reviews. I personally like the noise isolation because when I'm working and when I'm listening to music and journaling or doing whatever else, I need to make sure I am focused. The quality and sound is fantastic, and they are water and sweat resistant, especially now as weather starts warming up. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today and get an extra 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to secure 15%. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN. And now, on with the show. And we're back here on the Grit and Barrett podcast. My Corey Schwartz joining myself as we just got done discussing as the Bears took game three and took down the Hartford Wolfpack three games to none. And now it is time to talk turkey. It is time to talk about the Bears' next opponent. That's none other than the oldest rivalry in all the lands. Two of the oldest teams in the American Hockey League going at it. The Hershey Bears versus the Rochester Americans. Two storied franchises going after each other. And I know I asked you this, Corey, in the green room before we started, and you told me the answer. When was the last time these two teams played? Because I tried digging through the American Hockey League Wikipedia page and found nothing. So when was the last time these two teams played and the result of said series? Yeah, we found an interesting answer to that one. It was the year 2000, right after, you know, Y2K, for those that remember, you know, Quite some time ago, I was a little youngster at that time, not fully quite into my my Bears phase yet then, but it was a nice little run the Bears had in a vastly different American Hockey League landscape at the time. But unfortunately, the Bears have, you know, have some historical demons to exercise. The Bears got 4-0'd by Rochester at this point in the Eastern Conference Finals way back in the year 2000. Rochester ended up being the runner up to guess who the Hartford Wolfpack that year as the Wolfpack actually beat Providence in that season in a game seven uh, to, you know, advance to the finals and then beat Rochester four games to two for the Calder cup that season. So a little bit of uh, interesting trivia back in the late days of the old barn, I would still say at that time, uh, we hadn't quite moved yeah. to the confines of the giant center at that point. So it's, it's a little bit interesting to, to see that kind of history almost repeat itself here in a vastly different American hockey league landscape. Dare I say the dying days of giant of the old barn at uh, at that point? So um, so so Bears fans, let's just kind of take a look back. Whom, mind you, whom was on that that two thousand roster? Well, thank you, hockey database, for bringing this bad boy up. So I believe would this be the 2000, 2001 season or the nineteen ninety nine two thousand season? I believe this will be 99-2000, just if, as long as, mem- you know, as long as everything serves correctly there. Hmm. Awkward. Okay, give me a second. Talk amongst yourselves. All right, that is the season that the Hartford Wolfpack wanted. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay, so, so the year of our Lord, 1999 into the year 2000, um, the Bears were in the Mid-Atlantic Division at that point, taking on such teams as the Philadelphia Phantoms the Louisville Panthers, the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, and the Kentucky Thoroughblades. Fun fact, only one of those teams are still around. And it's Hershey. None of them exist. It was the first year Wilkes-Barre came into existence. They were in the Empire Division with other teams such as the Albany River Rats, 
Hamilton Bulldogs, Syracuse Crunch, and Rochester Americans. Very different American Hockey League than what we know today. So, who was on that 99-2000 team, mind you? Well, you had head coach Mike Mike Foligno, assistant coach Jay Wells. Your top scorer was Christian Mate with 104 points. Uh, Other such players as Brad Larson, Rick Barry, Ben Story, uh, Vili Niemannen, um, Dan Hitoe, Rob Scherer. Um, I am butchering these names. I know that. I horribly know that. Uh, Paul Vincent, and even some guy by the name of Nick Bootland. You might have heard of him. Current coach, I believe. And the goaltenders at that point. Um, the bulk of the series went to some guy by the name of David David Abishir, and his backup was a goalie by the name of Frederick Cassivi, whatever happened to him. So, yeah, a little bit of a time capsule for the Hershey Bears the last time these two teams went after each other. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, a lot of famous names. Christian Matt, one of the 97 uh, holdovers there still around, certainly. And obviously seeing Nick Bootland uh possibly you know it, it all seems to kind of come together for this run to see him part of the bears again facing off against a rochester team and uh, a little interesting to to see some familiar names there you know you, you try to think back too far and you sort of start to say okay well, i surely won't recognize anybody but uh you know that's a pretty solid bears team right there a lot of familiar faces some some great names there and you know the bears won a couple of good series they beat philadelphia three games to two and a best of five. And then, you know, uh, took out Kentucky by a four to one count in the second round. And, you know, an odd fact here, just the way these divisions are set up, the bears are technically part of the Western conference back then. So how far things have changed to have a true Western conference, uh, in this day and age here for the bears to can, you know, contend against here. So totally different landscape, still love the bears, you know, still hoping that, you know, this is the year that we can exercise some of those playoff demons. Very much so. And, well, even remember that there was a time when Hershey was considered the South Division. So that's going really far back in the league's history. But, um, you know, that's how long ago they played. So let's take a look at the two teams that are squaring off, that are squaring off now. The Hershey Bears came in second in the Atlantic and the Rochester and the Amherst. Come on, stupid app, stupid app. Why do you do this to me? Why do you hate me? Um, Okay, let me just try this a different way. The Bears were able to get here by defeating Charlotte three games to one and sweeping the Hartford Wolfpack right out of the playoffs. The Amarks um, went went five games against the Syracuse, Syracuse Crunch, actually losing the first two games and then coming back and winning the next three in a row. And they took down Toronto in all three games as well. So technically both teams coming in hot as well. But Rochester is a very high-flying, high-offense team. Running gun is their speciality. They have a lot of depth there in the lineup. And I know the Bears went one and one against them, but they still gave the Bears trouble, who at a time of the year weren't exactly playing their best hockey either. It's an interesting regular season series to look back on. You have a, a fairly convincing two to one 
win in the first game. It was actually like a, a very split back to back about split by about a week there. I think it was. Yeah. Um, the good news is that the bears got their lone win against them with Hunter Shepard and goal. It's who to one win back at giant center. The second game was kind of a little bit more of a debacle. The bears lost four to three in a shootout blew a three, nothing lead in that game to get to that point. You know, shootouts are going to shoot out. It's hard to really say that they're, yeah. you know, even relevant at this point in time. But, you know, the DNA is there for a pretty interesting series just based on those two games. I mean, the Bears have, you know, obviously played a much more stout defensive game. And, you know, you even look at the statistics, right? I mean, Rochester has so many players in the top 20 in terms of playoff scoring right now um, in this, you know, best of four or, you know, best of four teams remaining um, in the postseason. And you kind of take a look at it and say, okay, well, what's what's the answer here? Is it good offense or is it going to be good defense? And I think that both teams' strengths are going to be stretched to the limit here. And, you know, if you're Hershey, you got to hope that, you know, you can kind of see those positive trends just continue um, for them and that, you know, their style is going to be a little bit better than Rochester's. I mean, Rochester, I believe, has scored four or more goals in um, six of their eight playoff games in you know, on the other side of Hershey, they haven't allowed more than three goals in a single game, but, you know, Rochester includes three seven-plus goal games. So, um, you know, you really just, on paper, it immediately jumps out to you that scoring differential there, but Rochester's also given up a fair amount of goals, too. Hershey's got those those offensive weapons, and if you give them some space, they're going to make you pay. So, um, you know, you like to think it's going to be just a, a really high-octane series between two teams that play to their strengths. Well, I'm, I don't think it'll be as high flying as the Amherst want it to be. Um, th this team, it has a lot of weapons, but it also likes to, to be very fast and very up, up tempo. And when they are forced to play a closer game, um, they can win those games, but it's, it's not the style that, that they like to play. I think one big advantage they're really going to have is is home ice up there at the Blue Cross Arena. That place gets packed. That place gets loud, and they love their blue, white, and red up there. And the Bears have had trouble up there. I mean, I went up there once, and they went up 3 nothing, and just barely held on for a 3-2 win with Sam Sonoff in net all the way back in, I think it was like 2018. So um, Blue Cross Arena it's not an easy place to play by, by any means. And maybe the bears are actually going to start feeling the pressure now because we're done with this best of five crap. This is now best of seven as the hockey gods have deemed deemed it to be. This will be a lengthy seven game, seven game series. And I really think this is, this could be a very well clash of Titans between two teams. I agree. And it's, it's important that the bears have home ice to really set the tone in this series too, I think, because it's going to be just that difficult for them to, you know, to play in Rochester. Like you said, they sell out their building, you know, they sold it out for game five I or game three, I should say of their Toronto series, you know, they absolutely get behind their team. It's going to be a very loud atmosphere there, but then again, so will Hershey. I mean, the bears kind of have a disadvantage in the sense that they're playing two weekday games, have less time to sell tickets, but you know, the Bears make a crowd of five to seven thousand seem like 14 or 15,000, right? It gets very loud just there in Hershey as well. So I expect the Bears to, you know, really come out and play their style here and, you know, try to, I think, rattle this Rochester team 
in the same way that they kind of rattled Hartford and kind of got them off their strengths, right? Like we were talked a lot about Hartford's power play and a lot about Hartford's, you know, obstinance and a lot of their weapons. They had four pretty deep lines and the Bears were able to, you know, really turn that on them and sort of say, Hey, you know, you guys are good, but we're better type of thing. And, you know, really, you know, turn Hershey's strengths into, you know, difference making kinds of strengths. So I expect the Bears to, you know, like you said, they're going to want to, you know, slow the high flying Amherst, but, you know, take advantage of those chances the other way. And we've seen the Bears have the ability to score. And I have not, they don't have one single player that's in that top 20 that I mentioned earlier, but that's for good reason. It's just because they have such a great spread of scoring. Almost everybody's contributed at least a single point here. They don't really have someone that's, you know, far and away their top scorer so far in these playoffs. And that's dangerous. I'd be scared of that more than the guy that has, you know, 12 points in eight games or something like that. You know, it's, it's a different kind of danger. I think if you're Rochester, it's one that makes it really hard to, you know, to take a shift off against anybody on the Hershey lineup. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be weapons against weapons um, in this. And I really feel like this is probably going to be Hunter Shepard's toughest test that you're just going to have like, a lot of things thrown at you. I mean, sure, Charlotte. Um, they had a couple of guys who could burn you. Corey Concher, a um, couple other ones, um, Riley Nash. But once again, you kind of had the feeling that once you take them out, we'll be okay. Um, Hartford. Hartford, you know, they had us in game one. They absolutely had us. And you, you feel like the overtime was the big swing was a big swinging point in the series. And now you face a team that is just as loaded as you and wants to just pepper you from, from everywhere. And as great as Hunter has been, he really has more is going to be asked of him. More is going to be needed of this team. Um, The quick series are done. And I kind of feel like it's time to hunker down and get in for the long haul with, with these guys. I believe Hunter Shepard is better than Malcolm Subban, a better overall goaltender than, than him. And I think that's probably going to be the one big advantage that the bears are going to have is definitely in net, but this might be a series that could test the bears on the offensive strength that maybe Hunter has that off night and the bears are going to need to pick him up because that could be a very real possibility. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it's really going to be a team test for not only just Shepard, but I think everybody across the board, right? You know, starts with your your goaltender, extends to your defense, and, you know, responsibility falls in your forwards to help them out too. Um, but, you know, Shepard, I think, is one of those guys that, you know, you can't discount his previous experience. You know, obviously the NCAA is not the same as the American Hockey League, right? We're all well aware of that that major difference, right? But when he was a part of the university of Minnesota Duluth, he almost made them a championship contender and went back to back and should have gone back to back to back. If it weren't for a certain pesky global event that kind of, you know, ruined a lot of people's good times, ours included at the time that, you know, he easily could have added three championships in three years of being a full-time starter, right? Like it's one of those, you know, he seems to just get better as the games intensify. And, you know, I don't even know that we've seen, peak Hunter Shepard yet in that respect. 
So I'm I'm very curious to see you know how he responds to a tougher task like Rochester because it it does remind you a good bit of those those college games where you know obviously those are shorter not we wouldn't even call them playoff series really but he's one of those guys that you can look at one game at a time you know one task at a time one save at a time one shift at a time you know and it doesn't matter he just dials it up and you know he's dialed in for that moment. And, you know, again, like you said, Rochester is a really good scoring team. They're going to push him to the limit, I think, really. But um, like you said, it, it really separates the contenders from the pretenders in a lot of ways with that, too. So we're going to find out just how much this Bears team is made of. And, you know, if stopping the likes of Tim Gettinger, Ryan Carpenter, Brian or Johnny Brodzinski, uh, Tanner Fritz, you know, even you know, throw Turner Elson in that mix. Hartford had a lot of those guys. I mean, that you know, we saw it in game one where they can just make you pay with a minimal margin of error, honestly, for any of those shifts. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like that's one great test, just like the, the Charlotte series was. You know, a, a lesser team might have crumpled there. The Bears did not crumple. Instead, it seemed they seemed to rise to that, that task there. So, uh, you know, obviously the confidence level in those guys has to be high coming off of a sweep of a team like Hartford. Um, but like you said, it's just, it's going to be a whole different beast because it's a team you've only seen twice and not really all that recently either. So, you know, it's, it's going to be basically a brand new ball game, not quite as new of a ball game as Hartford was, mind you, but, um, still a pretty new ball game nonetheless with a team that's been through a lot for sure. Agreed. So let's get into how we think this is going to go. Um, I did not think that a sweep would happen last time, but, um, I am taking Hershey in, in six because I think the boys have enough defense to take a couple game, take a couple games. I think the offense is also going to take one as well, but if you're going to ask me which goaltender I'm going to go with in a closeout game in game six, Who's going to steal one? Once again, I'm going to go with Hunter Shepard over Malcolm Subban. So I am taking Hershey in six and hopefully in June. We're talking about the silver chalice. Yeah, that's, that's a great prediction. I don't want to go same Z's on it just because I like to, you know, I like to be a little bit more bold. I'm going to say Hershey in five. And the reason I say that it's a little on the bold side. I know. But yeah. I feel like we've seen Hershey's defense just kind of come through for them very often in these playoffs, you know, and it doesn't seem to matter who, you know, Aaron Ness goes down with an injury that would have crippled a team like the, you know, like we maybe saw in 2019 where a lot of losses kind of added up, but, you know, we've seen guys like Jake Massey and Logan day just really, you know, step up for this bears group. And they kind of have that, you know, pretty solid lineup of guys there. So I've I very much liked what they brought to the table. And, you know, outside of one mistake in game three, I mean, you know, it's they were fairly lights out with on the terms of the defensive side. It's, you know, it's going to be a different challenge with this high flying Rochester team that's really going to be bringing it, I think. But I, I really like what the Bears have. I really think that, you know, Todd Nelson's philosophy of, you know, offense flowing through strong defense and, you know, winning games kind of starting with that as a core principle is really going to, you know, take over this series eventually here. And, you know, not that Rochester's not a strong team. I'm not trying to disrespect them by any stretch saying that, but 
you know, as we've seen in some of these final scores here, they haven't, they've, they've gotten through games and won games by simply putting the puck in the net more often. You can't, you can't necessarily bank on that with this bears team, right? They've, you know, only given up two goals. It's going to be their biggest test by far for sure. So it's, it's going to be a real test of wills, I think there, but it's one that I think ultimately the bears are built to win. Agreed. And again, this will be a test for them. This will be a test to see just, you know, are they worthy of playing for the chalice? And I believe they are. I haven't, I haven't set a line when teams go on a deep run with, with the bears as of yet, but I very well feel like I could say that as we get this series on and we will find out tomorrow night in game one at giant center rally towels it all hooray as this series will kick off. So Corey, thank you for joining me so much again, brother. Third time we're doing this in about a month. So um, I know people have heard it before, but we're going to do it, do it again. Tell people where they, where they can follow you and other stuff you're working on. You can find me over on Twitter at CSWA11 is my personal handle. My, my main handle is at HBH nation blog on Twitter um, at FPH bears. is another one to follow. I post most of my content on the, the bears nation uh, label there, but you'll find me all over the place there. Um, that's really where all the content gets posted, you know, po- posting stuff for field pass hockey. We'll have a preview of the series going up there um, in the next day or so preceding the series. Um, lots of features. We did one on Hunter Shepard um, on the blog. I did a piece about, uh, you know, kind of recapping Hershey's journey over the years from the last time they were here in the Calder cup finals to, uh, you know, in 2016 to where we are today and how the bears are just really just due for this kind of run here, this kind of excitement in Hershey. So uh, all of that is available and more for your supplemental reading before the puck drops on Tuesday. Yep. And it will be fun. And I'm sure everyone will be ready as Bears fans will be ready. Amex fans will be, will be ready. And the line's been drawn in the sand and the moments at hand to quote a song from Tangled the Series. And you're ready. I'm ready, Bears fans. And I'm ready as I'll ever be. See you tomorrow night. We'll catch you at Giant Center. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network, where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GritAndBarrettP1 on Twitter. That's at GritAndBarrettP1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020, to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears' friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears!